In rough times, I go to I go straight to that broccoli. <laughs> we can we can deal with a child. I used to hate meal times. It was a hobby that sort of got out of control. Hi Lucy, how are you Hi. doing today? Hi Camille, I'm great, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Still raining, still Britain, still mm. talking about food, still we enjoying could... your company. Oh, thank you. I mean, if you insist, we could go to France to record these podcasts. Call out for sponsors if you want us to record the next intro in France. Just let us know. Thank <laughs> you very much to Eurostar. See, just a little preview. Please help us out, guys. This week we've been speaking to Emily Stonehouse. Oh my god, her flat. It was the best. You know, like when you think of a New York loft, but you're in London. And you're like, how did you get it? Basically, it was like a Dalston open plan, art everywhere, so East London. (laughs) Emily is a brand, the UK UK brand brand ambassador. ambassador for Sailor Jerry's Rum, which I'm sure you all know about. Um, Camille doesn't know about it. I, I do now, because... Yeah, um, I, I hope just... you do after our chat with her. <laughs> <laughs> so, Battenberg, Viennese World, Samstern, Sailor Jerry's... Yeah, no, I do. Will does know about it. Of course he does. He's British. Yes. So, I don't really drink much, much uh, whiskey. It's rum. Okay. <laughs> Sure. Um, I don't drink much from going well, going well. <laughs> I'm so glad you know all about no, this I product. D- okay, I tried some. Some Sailor Jerry's? Yes. Oh yeah, because Emily um, delightfully gave us all the bottle, didn't she? Yes, and I tried, and it was good. I'm just not very used to strong alcohol, apart you from gin. thought it was whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> also, no, that's probably because I'm... I don't know where my bottle's gone. I think John might have drunk it. I mean, John. Jonathan, he doesn't listen to the podcast, he'll never get... <laughs> there we'll teach you, John. Yeah, so she is actually very on brand. Because, She's so on brand. Because the founder of that rum brand... Sailor Jerry. Yes. Was a tattoo artist. Mm-hmm. I think... Wasn't his name Norman? I think his name is Norman. Norman Jerry. Sailor Jerry. Norman. Norman. So his name's Norman. So yes, we went to um, this amazing, arty, beautiful flat in East London. Um, we got there and there was building work going on right outside the window. Right outside. Multiple workmen hadn't stopped for lunch, making a god-awful racket. That's another sound. I don't know if you can also hear the cat on it. Basically, there's a lot of noise. So um, apologies for that. But it makes it so authentic, Lucy. It's authentic. Yes, it's very authentic. We went for authentic with this one. I mean, the rest of our podcast episodes are obviously so polished. (laughs) This is the one that's really real. Um, We talked about some great things with Emily, though. We did. Um, We're the best cocktail for students. Yes, what's the sort of easiest cocktail for you to make? Without, you know, all the kit, having to spend loads of money on spirits and things. And, um, yeah, she's got some great tips for that. Can I pause for a sec? Cocktail pun. Little diversion here while Camille tries to find some cocktail puns on the internet. Shake it up. That's not a pun. pun. (laughs) While you do that, I'm just going to tell the listeners about some of the things that we spoke to Emily about. (laughs) Because you're shrimply the best. What? Shrimply the best. Shrimp cocktails. 
Oh, like a prawn cocktail, like a 70s starter in a restaurant. Stop Googling cocktail puns, you're not getting anywhere. Okay, we spoke about we spoke about the Malaysian diaspora and the lack of catering for um, migrants into the UK in the past. Um, what else did we talk about with, um, with Emily? We talked about how to get into the world of drinks. Yes. Her job is like quite involves a lot of travel, involves a lot of marketing, public speaking, training people, being a brand representative at all times. There's a lot to it. Um, it's a really cool job. Also, we spoke spoke about um, Barata. Key quote of this episode: Get some wine, get some bread, get some cheese. Sophisticated. Can't disagree with that. It's basically mm. the key to make people feel better. Enjoyed meeting the cat, Shamu. Enjoyed looking at the um, beautiful, lovely flat. art and the beautiful flat, exactly how you would expect a creative East London flat to be. Um, and obviously enjoyed talking to Emily and learning about her job, which is so cool. Yeah. Final shout out to Michaela. Oh yes, Michaela, our intern. We miss you loads. We miss you, Michaela. She was in the background. She didn't speak, but... She was there. She's a lurker. You go, Michaela. Go, Michaela. Can you tell me a little bit about your career? Yeah, so I started bartending when I was about 18. Uh, my housemate at the time had a bar job in a nightclub and I was sitting with her having a drink before work one day and her boss came over and was saying that someone had called in sick. So it was one of those kind of like, oh, can you just help out? Got thrown in the deep end on a Saturday night and I've never left since, basically. Yeah, that's good fun. What? I kind of got the bug for it and just never really left. Yeah, what do you, what do you love about it? I think there's like... I like serving people. I like making people happy. So there's a huge part of it is the kind of customer service element. <laughs> We've got a little cat visitor today. <laughs> We've got a little cat visitor called Shamu. Um, one of the best cats I've seen for quite a long time. He's looking at us really, table, really right. sad now. We've moved him away. <laughs> Sorry, Shamu. He thinks this is his table. Back. He is. Um, and what is your, do you have like a standout sort of drinks or food <laughs> memory? Um, I really like making cocktails. And I suppose when I was younger, when I first started out in the drinks industry, I just started out as a regular bartender. But then I kind of started learning more about cocktails and kind of got a bit of a taste for it. So I suppose for me, it was like that discovery of cocktails and that whole side of bartending that made me realise it could be a career, not just a job. Mm. And what would be your most powerful food or drinks memory? Oh, so my mum is Malaysian. She's Chinese Malaysian. And I didn't realise that Penang, apparently, where she's from, is like the food capital of Malaysia. So I just thought we were lucky that the food was good. But apparently it's like worldwide known to be amazing food over there. So those are my strongest memories. And it's very sort of emotional when you sort of recall those smells and foods and tastes, I suppose. Yeah, that's really evocative. Yeah, we've had um, quite a lot of people talk about Asia. Um, and sort of Southeast Asia, actually, and kind of travelling there. Yeah, I remember my mum saying that when she first moved to England, she was like 22, and she came over to study nursing, and she said that, like, a lot of the Asian nurses that came over, like, were so sort of homesick with a lot of the foods that they missed. Mm. And she said that rice pudding was, like, they discovered... that Everyone got really yeah. fat because they all discovered rice pudding, <laughs> and it was, like, this creature comfort sort of thing from back at home. That's so funny. Because, mm, yeah, you couldn't find a lot of those foods that they were used to from where they grew up. How do you think your personal relationship with food and drink has changed throughout your life? 
Um, I um, I've always been one of those people that if I look at food, I gain weight. So I've always had a very love hate relationship with it. Don't get me wrong, but I love food. Like I love the taste of food, and I think this is one of my problems. Because I don't tend to eat because I'm hungry. I eat because it's delicious, because it's there, because it's you know, all of these other reasons that you eat. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, my relationship with food is very much a love relationship with a little bit of control added on the side. I think as I've gotten older, my tastes are definitely healthier. Like I will, you know, when you're sort of trying to be a bit health conscious and you choose to try and make healthy decisions. I think now I just naturally do because I prefer that style of food. Mm. I don't like such rich food or heavy food anymore. So I do actually find myself craving salads and stuff. Yeah. And I think when you work in the drinks industry, you spend a lot of time obviously burning the candle at both ends. So I think it's really important to keep a balanced sort of diet and make sure you have plenty of water and eat healthily when you are not on the road to try and like balance out some of the crazy when you're out working a lot. Yeah, it must be quite difficult to like, plan when you work like, unsociable hours. Yeah. And also, if you've had a really late night and then you wake up, I would go straight for the bread. Yeah. Straight I literally just carbs. want beige foods. So yeah. Bread and cheese and carbs is yeah. all I want to eat when I'm hungover. So, yeah, you have so to be quite careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's nothing worse than, like, like, trying to be healthy with a salad when you're feeling a little bit worse to wear. Yeah, it doesn't help, does no. it? Um, does your uh, Malaysian heritage um, help with that sort of healthy, sort of lighter food um. as well? Um, I suppose and if I have a sort of traditional stuff like my mum's ever shown me it's more of like a process it's not necessarily the healthiest food but it's not unhealthy mm. but I think I like what I like about that is it's more of a ritual to like sit down and actually make it because you kind of got to put a planning and a little bit of preparation into it so I think it's more about that so that's just about having like a nice balanced home cooked meal which I suppose is a healthy healthier alternative yeah otherwise I tend to eat a lot of takeaways yeah <laughs> what's your favorite takeaway oh that's a too trickier question <laughs> I live in such a great area for like amazing different styles of food mm. and with like the different sort of takeaway apps and things you can get there's too much choice around here to choose yeah, depending on mood. I try and stick to stuff that's a bit healthier I tend to eat quite a lot of vegetarian food anyway mm. so yeah I imagine there's so much choice around here yeah it's ridiculous Just Wait. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God, I love East London. Um, where would be your favourite food smell and or drink smell, maybe, or smell related to food and drinks? And uh, what does it evoke for you? I think food-wise, it would have to be some kind of like, yeah, like home-cooked Chinese-style sort of dinner that you sort of walk into the kitchen and my mum's been making. That would easily win on the food front. Drink-wise... Um, it's a good question. I think there's so many different things out there, like, and it depends on the mood you're in. But like, one of the reasons that like people garnish drinks is because it brings that aroma to a drink instantly. So you know when you see someone like burning an orange peel over the top of a drink, or adding a cinnamon stick, or a cucumber slice, or whatever it is, that mint, it kind of brings all of those aromas to it. So I think that's one of the things that's quite nice with cocktails. You can really play up those aromas to really kind of evoke more kind of emotional attachment mm. to a drink, I suppose. Yeah. Sounds a bit full on, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, it's a bit of an art form, isn't it, yeah. really? Um, so it makes makes sense. Yeah. Um, and do you think that drinks can change the world? Well, I mean, I think pretty much anything can be put to rights over a few drinks on a late night, <laughs> yeah. surely. So maybe in that context. I think, you know, within reason and with balance, drinks for me are very much about socialising and spending time with your friends and your family. And so, yeah, I think, you know, it definitely brings people closer together. And that's a good thing. Um, you just segued really well into our next question was um, how how do you think that food and or drink can bring communities together? For me, like a good meal, like having friends over, like eating is an occasion more than anything. 
Kitty. Hello, Kitty. I'm so happy that he's here, even though he has been <laughs> about five minutes. He just wants to jump percent. on the table there and he's going to make the mic. So, <laughs> so shiny, isn't he? Such a little bugger. He thinks Michaela, he's going to entertain him. <laughs> um, yeah, like for me, eating is very much around sitting around a table all together. I like sort of, you know, when you have just plates on the table and you're just sharing. And so it's, I think it's a really good way of bringing people together. Mm. And if you look at a lot of like charity events and stuff where like communities will like bring a dish and like sit together, I think that's an amazing way of bringing people together for sure, definitely. Yeah. Do you have a personal comfort food or comfort drink <laughs> that you might turn to in a I time of crisis? I think comfort drink is probably a bad... Comfort to food for this question. <laughs> um, my comfort food, like I said, is always about beige and cheese, basically. Yeah. So it would be like macaroni cheese has probably got to be up there. I used to be mm. vegetarian years ago and that was one of my like goatee things that I would make. And so I think even now, just a really basic home-cooked macaroni cheese will always probably be at the top of the list. That's a really good one. Yeah. I am a bit partial to a... A good comfort glass of red wine, though, to be fair. <laughs> I think you can have comfort drinks. I, I do love a red okay. wine, especially on a chilly evening. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's mm. so warming. Yeah. Well, that or whiskey is always a nice little yeah. warming drink. Oh, hot or rum old-fashioned as well. Mm. So that's always good. Do you have something that you would cook for a friend who was going through a difficult time? A lot of my friends are vegan and gluten-free and whatnot, so I've become quite adapted at making dishes to suit lots of different mm. dietary requirements. But I think if you're going through a bad time, you can't be something like... A mac- like a macaroni cheese or a lasagna or a big curry or something like that like they're the ultimate like comfort foods I'd say I'm all about finding like an amazing delicatessen getting some like good charcuterie and cheese basically and there's a little shop just over the road that does like really good burrata and mortadella salam so basically it's one of those things like get some wine get some bread get some cheese and that is like that's the ultimate way of like Absolutely either cheering up someone or cheese and wine will always make it better yeah I can't believe no one's given that answer yet as the best answer. Yeah, cheese and wine. Yeah. Because also you feel pretty grown up about doing it. It feels yeah. very sophisticated. And also it's really easy. But it, like, at the same time, yeah. you are just, you know, having a few drinks with yeah. friends. But yeah, it feels very sophisticated. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like Especially if you have grapes with it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, some celery, yeah. some chutney. Yeah, God, exactly. nothing more sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I now really want some cheese yeah. and bread. <laughs> um, what is the one food that you would take with you to a desert island? An automatic cat feeder jeep drink thing. Just decided to pipe up for some reason there. Sorry about that. That's really weird. It's going to sound like someone peeing in the back. Sorry, right. Desert Island food. Um, I'll drink. I've got always I'll drink. I mean, if you're on a desert island, you take rum. Surely that's like yeah. part of it. So yeah. Sailor Jerry would probably be the absolute best choice. Mm. I would definitely take Yeah, you've got to Sailor get Jerry. on that Caribbean brand. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Pina Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of anything better than a desert island drinking a pina colada. Yeah, just cut the top it's... off a coconut, pour your rum straight in it, drink it straight out of the coconut. Now that's living the dream. That is. What would be the toughest thing that you think is to work in drinks, in the drinks industry? I think it's, it's a weird one because I think a lot of us that start in this industry kind of get bitten by the bug and it's like addictive almost because you meet great people and it's like a really family kind of culture. You know, the bar team you work with, you see them more often than your family and another half, half the time. And the people around you is amazing. But there are... There are incredibly long hours, it's antisocial, it's tough, it's gruelling, it's physical, it's mentally quite draining, you know, and you're around alcohol a lot, so you've got to be quite sort of, you know, careful and quite strong with yourself around it. So I think they're the hardest things about it. But like I say, it's not for everyone, but for the people that it is for, that, you know, that love that kind of energy and that rush and that kind of go, go, go on a Saturday night when you're 10 deep at the bar, you do sort of get a bit of a, a bug for it, so. Yeah. 
Yeah. And what are your kind of main duties for Sailor Jerry? So I'm the UK ambassador. So I cover the whole country and I go around doing like events um, and education. So I might go to a bar and train them on how to make cocktails and how to use Sailor Jerry. I might do some talks on like the history of rum and Sailor Jerry himself. He was a tattoo artist that was mm. born in 1911 and died in 1973. And a lot of people don't know that necessarily. So he was really famous as an iconic tattoo artist. But not a lot of people necessarily put that together with the rum that yeah, was inspired I that until I read it today. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So a lot of what I do is kind of piecing those together. So one day I might be in a tattoo shop doing like a private party for them, handing out a few drinks to their customers. And then another day I might be in a bar doing like a cocktail competition or training some of our sales force to be able to go out there and like, you know. Sell the Yeah, brand. and like really believe in our product and know what they're talking about. Is it a full-time yeah. role? It is. Yeah, and oh. I've been doing it for a very long time now. I've been doing this nearly nine years, yeah. Yeah, yeah which wow. is kind of an insane amount of time to be doing a brand ambassador role. Yeah. Because it is pretty full-on. Yeah. But yeah, it's super fun, and I love the brand, so. Mm. I suppose it's kind of a bit of a dream, if you work in this industry, though, um, to be able to have that kind of full spectrum of, like, working for a brand, like, the marketing side, like, the interest in, like, talking... Oh and stuff and then like, yeah the, the bartending side as well is quite varied yeah it really keeps you on your toes mm. I was never like a great bartender I never worked in you know any of the really big name bars or anything but I just had a real passion for it but as I was getting a little bit older I was just starting to get a bit fed up on a Saturday night at two in the morning when you've got mm. drunk people kind of like and I just and I knew I wanted to stay in the industry so this was ideal for me to be able to kind of stay within this industry that I love but be able to take a different side of the role so you can kind of get a bit of your life back a bit mm. although it didn't really give me much of my life back <laughs> but it has definitely mixed it up and given me a lot more variation to what I do yeah it's a really cool job yeah you must have started doing it quite young then yeah it's quite young now <laughs> so. I mean thank you so much <laughs> uh I was 24 when I started yeah. but now I'm yeah. 34 which is what would you I mean the students what would you say is the best well cocktail they could do yeah with like the minimum cost for them Oh, there's so many really simple cocktails you can make at home that are virtually foolproof. Like, the best thing you need to do is, like, get something to measure with. So instead of, like, worrying about getting, like, a proper cocktail measure, use a shot glass, and then you know it's one part. So find drinks that are, like, one part, one part, two parts. So, for example, if you made a Sailor Jerry spice daiquiri, you could use two parts Sailor Jerry, so two shot glasses of Sailor Jerry, one shot glass full of lime juice, and one shot glass full of sugar syrup. And you just mix it up with ice, and then that's your daiquiri. That so it's really great. simple. Do drinks really that you can just use in parts and you haven't got to worry about the ratios so much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And what's your all-time favourite cocktail? Oh, that's too difficult to answer. <laughs> uh, it definitely depends on my mood. I think a daiquiri is always going to be one of my classics because it's yeah. just a really simple way of show like showcasing the flavours in the rum. So whichever rum it is you're drinking, it's just like it picks out all the like, kind of fine notes mm. without masking all the flavour too much. So I do love a good daiquiri. But... Um, I'm a big beer drinker, to be fair, though. It's mm. always, a good, always a good night for me. What's your beer of choice? Oh, I like the most generic lagery lager <laughs> beer you can find. I do love a craft beer, and I went through a phase where I kind of come out the other side. Um, Miller High Life is probably my favourite yeah. beer. Um, followed by uh, Kona Longboard. Just like really lagery, like, I like a bud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The industry has changed quite a lot. How do you think that's changed your job? I think, I mean, obviously that's all, like health and welfare is always really important. And I think there's loads of movements within the drinks industry at the moment. There's a company called Healthy Hospo, for example, that have been really championing bartenders, really kind of taking a check on themselves and on each other as well. And like a real focus and kind of like looking out for your colleagues. If you see someone you think might be struggling, have a word with them, like tell them that you're there to help. Mental health is always an issue. For a lot of people in any job, obviously, mm. but people don't realise, I think, the sort of stress and pressure. There's a lot of, and the same with um, kitchens and catering and restaurants. Mm. 
Um, so I think that's definitely something that people are becoming more conscious of, which is really good because I think it's important that people stay you know, safe and healthy and look after themselves and each other. Yeah, I imagine it's an industry that lends itself a little bit to kind of unhealthy, like it an unhealthy be. lifestyle. Yeah. Um, aside from the alcohol just being awake. Yeah, it's like stressful hours, exactly. Yeah, and like you talked about the food. Yeah, and I think it's important like just to keep balance, like I say. Mm. Like, you know, there are like, you know, it's really important, for example, to just have lots of water on a night out, for, you know, and just like having non-alcoholic options and low ABV drinks as well. And so they're just as thought out and delicious as the alcoholic mm. drinks. Whereas before it was more of an afterthought, like if you didn't drink, you had an, a Coca-Cola or an orange juice. Whereas now there's actually like much better offerings for people that yeah, are choosing definitely. not to drink. I'm seeing more and more, mm. um, more and more alcohol free or low alcohol options mm. everywhere. I actually see a, a parallel between that and the options for food as well. Like mm-hmm. it's a lot more, it's a lot easier to find vegan and vegetarian. And it's more and clearly labelled. Yeah, yeah. clearly labelled, gluten-free, everything. It, yeah. it feels like food and drinks have just moved towards being a lot more accepting of differences. And Definitely. I think in London, it's really, you know, it's, it's what everyone says, like the little bubble that is London. And I think it's easy to become a bit jaded here because like I say, the options around here are amazing. I've got all this choice. Yeah. When you go some, to another town, you kind of notice that like, actually not everyone's quite sort of taking that jump. But within those kinds of things with like allergens and with lower ABVs, you're starting to see that filter out further out mm. across the country now, which is really positive, I think. It gives people more options. Definitely. And I think um, it's good that the industry has responded so quickly because obviously working with students, we see that they are always wanting these options now mm-hmm. and for the last few years they've just becoming so much more into wellness like mm-hmm. mindful of things like care about the environment yeah sustainability sustainability is yeah. huge like um, the farm to table stuff drinks yeah. are very much doing a similar thing with like foraged ingredients and mm-hmm. like locally produced seasonal products rather than you know paying to have fruits flown in from halfway around the yeah. world just to be squeezed into a drink and thrown away and there's another company called trash tiki i don't know if you've heard of those guys um it's Ian Griffiths and Kelsey Ramage, but they've um, put together this company called Trash Tiki where they've gone around talking about sustainability in bars. Um, so, for example, how to use your discarded like limes and lemon peels from the night to make up a sours mix you can use in cocktails. That's and they're great. sharing all this information to make it more accessible for bars to be yeah. a lot more kind of like sustainable and more kind of just conscious of those things, I guess, and to try and reduce wastage as much as possible. Mm. So it's really good that these sorts of positive things are happening across the industry. Yeah, definitely. If you chop up a pineapple, the amount of juice that runs off it, because mm. you reuse that juice and put it into another thing, yeah. or can you make it into a cordial? Which you definitely could, couldn't yeah. you? Um, so there's lots of different ways. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. Mm. So what would you say to a woman who wants to work in this industry? I think for anyone that wants to get into this industry, and I get asked this quite often, is find a bar job in the kind of bar you'd like to drink in as a really good start. But start at the bottom. Um, there's like there's a lot of people that will start out as a bar back which is kind of doing a lot of the prep work behind the scenes in a bar but that way you get to learn a lot of the specs you learn a lot of the cocktails you learn where things go then you just sort of build it up and you get more experience and that way you can kind of really and I know people that have started out through that and then a few years later are head bartenders are bar managing with really amazing jobs and great venues um and also there's lots of different styles of venue and bars you can work in whether it's like a silver service hotel bar or whether it's a you know spit and sawdust dive bar you know there's not one that's better than another. So work out what your groove is, I suppose, and don't just kind of aspire to be, you know, the next big deal writing a cocktail book, but mm. maybe look at actually what you find fun and what you enjoy about it. Yeah. That's kind of what I'd say. And as a woman, I think there are so many fierce, amazing women in our industry that are doing amazing things for themselves right now, which is fantastic and it's really positive. But one thing I've always sort of said as women in this industry, I think you've got to be a bit of a hard cookie and 
I think if you're, you know, you've got to kind of stand up for yourself and prove yourself. And I think maybe you might have to prove yourself a little bit harder than some of the guys do. But I think when you do, it does get noticed. So, you know, stick with it because you can really go somewhere. And what about a piece of advice for the young women who listen to our show and who are students mm -hmm. and go on a night out? What would you advise them to do? For drinks? Yes. So if you want to get into cocktails, ask the bartender. It's amazing how many people don't ask bartenders about their drinks. Like half the time, I don't know about you, but I'll look at a cocktail list and there'll be at least a couple of things in there that I have no idea what it is. Mm. So what, like, you're probably oh, going to be a bit nervous to order that drink if you don't know what it is you're getting into. So ask the bartender or say to them as well. When I was a bartender, and most bartenders I know would always do the same, if you say you don't know what you want, they'll ask you, what kind of spirit do you like? What's your base spirit? Do you want something long or short, refreshing or fruity? Something like that. So just like talk to them and they should be able to advise you for something good. You know, so you're not wasting your money buying drinks that you don't like and you know you can really sort of find your palate that way but I think like it's just a fun way of kind of like trying new things yeah definitely yeah and do you have um like a particular favorite cocktail bar or good cocktail bar recommendation not necessarily in London yeah Oof. anywhere <laughs> that's a good question I'm a big fan of Bunny Jackson's in Manchester that's really good fun they do 10p wings and they're delicious 10 pence 10 pence yeah but they do great cocktails it's kind of like a dive sportsy sort of bar but yeah. it's really good fun I'm a big fan of Slim Jim's liquor store in London, in Islington. That's kind of open late and it's a really good party bar. Yeah, it's like rock and roll, live music. That's fun. I think I've got a handful of favourite bars in most cities I go to, mm. if you that way. There's always like good people to meet. And I think that's always what makes a bar as well. It's like when you walk in and the people you see like welcome you with like open arms and, you know, friendly. That's always, that's my favourite kind of bar. Yeah. For more from us, visit at National Student on Twitter at The National Student on Instagram or search The National Student on Facebook. You think we've said as National Student enough? Because if not, I can just add, you can also find us on thenationalstudent.com. Oh yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Deja Food. This podcast is produced by The National Student and hosted by Lucy Miller and Camille Dupont. Thanks to Alex Sweetman for coming up with our name. Music by Kevin McLeod, Quasi Motion. Our logo was designed by your host, Camille. <laughs>